0: Hello to all the massage therapists out there. Welcome to season two of the USO LMT bi-weekly podcast. My name is Stephanie and I'm the founder of USO LMT. The United States Organization of Licensed Massage Therapists is a new association for LMTs who want to work together to create positive changes in our workplaces and our industry. Our mission is to promote unity, advocacy, education, and engagement of licensed massage therapists Through our Solidarity in Massage Therapy movement, encouraging massage therapists to be the change that they want to see in our industry. Membership is open to massage therapy students, licensed massage therapists based in the United States, massage educators, LMT-owned multi-therapist practices, and massage co-ops. We believe in the need to engage in a more collective and radical form of activism in our profession. We can only decide what the future looks like when we work together. You can become a founding member of USOLMT today for a monthly subscription price of $10. Our message at USOLMT is solidarity in massage therapy. We are one for all and all for one. Join today and find out how change and improvement in the massage industry is possible through strength in numbers. Let's get into today's topic. Today I want to talk about licensing, classification, and compacts. I first want to approach massage licensing. When I started USOLMT last year, I actively engaged in listening to our massage community. I dropped into groups all over the country to find out what massage therapists cared about and what their main issues were. I hope the Federation and state board members are listening to this today because this information could be very useful for them. By overwhelming majority, massage therapists want to be able to practice in every state without having to take tests, pay fees, and obtain new licenses each time they move or work across state lines. It already costs a lot of money to be a massage therapist in one state to maintain a license, so why continue to make it more difficult? Massage therapists are concerned that state massage therapy boards cannot get on the same page nationally. Some states want 1,000 hours of education, while others want 500. Some states require continuing education, while others don't. Some states require Inblex, while others don't. Some states don't even require a license. Additionally, some states are governed by medical boards or cosmetology boards, while others have a separate state board of massage therapy. None of this is good for our profession on a national scale. It is professional chaos governed by conflicting laws and regulations and red tape bureaucracy that make the job much more difficult and expensive than it is, than it needs to be for a professional massage therapist. If you want more massage therapists to enter this profession, my advice is to stop charging them for their work. Other concerns that have come up are license renewal costs, fingerprinting, and scope of practice laws. These things are governed by state massage therapy or occupational licensing boards by this patchwork of requirements in each state. License renewal costs are too high, and they're on the same they're not on the same page in many states. In Arizona, the cost to renew your license is $95 every two years. But in North Carolina, the cost is $175 every two years. In Florida, it's $105 every two years. Now in New York, where they have 1,000 hours of required education, it's only $55 every three years. Now how did New York do that? Because we would like to know, because we would all like to do that. Why are we paying $175 in one state every two years when another state can do it for $55 every three years? This doesn't make sense. Let's talk about fingerprinting. In Texas, in 2019, they passed a bill saying that massage therapists would have to be fingerprinted. So massage therapists in these Texas massage groups, man, they were up in arms about this. Through fingerprinting, the state board can do this national criminal history check and they associated a new fee with getting fingerprinted in Texas. I think it was around $40. And when I was listening to what they were saying, I don't think that being fingerprinted was the issue. It was the new fees. As far as fingerprinting and criminal history check goes, I probably have a different take on this than other people do. Um, And I was fine with being fingerprinted for my Arizona massage license, but if they required my fingerprints, I don't think they should have charged me for them. How ridiculous is it that we all paid money to have our fingerprints listed in a national database, and we paid money to be checked out for our criminal history? I'm going to tell you a little story. Way back in high school, I lived in Maryland, and I got a job offer from the National Security Administration back then called the NSA. Today, we call that Homeland Security. Now, to get that job, I had to submit to fingerprinting, a polygraph test, extensive interviews, a full FBI background check, and I had to get a top-secret military clearance. And guess how much it cost me? Nothing. Zero. I'm not sure why I would need to pay the government to check me out, but now that I do this job, where most employers consider my work low-skilled, menial labor? I'm paying for my job, year after year after year. Make it make sense, because it doesn't. Since 2018, there's been this nationwide push to eliminate the barriers to occupational licensing. Now, Doug Ducey, the governor of Arizona, started this push at the National Governors Association meetings. Go on YouTube and search for Doug Ducey, Occupational License Reciprocity to find out more about how this came to be. It's something that you need to know as a massage therapist. You're going to keep seeing bills that are going to keep reducing requirements to occupational licensing in your states. They've come up a lot this year. They are going to keep coming up. Now, I know massage therapists are rightly concerned about eliminating the barriers to entry and reductions in requirements in our field. At the same time, they want to have national mobility. I'm still kind of unsure if there is a happy medium, but there might be, and we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. Now, on scope of practice. Scope of practice laws differ in every state. One thing that I think we, as massage therapists, need to come to an understanding of is that scope of practice only pertains to the massage license. I see people being attacked in massage groups over scope of practice by practitioners who may not know what the scope of practice is in the state of the person that they're talking to. And I bring this up because it's creating division in our field and we're trying to promote unity. This isn't working. Um, the, The practitioners who are berating people about scope of practice They don't even acknowledge that a lot of massage therapists have other professional certifications or other licenses that allow them to work in different areas with clients. For example, I saw this one lady who posted in one of our bigger massage groups that she was a licensed counselor and a licensed massage therapist, and she wanted to develop a program for her clients that would encompass both of her credentials. She was absolutely berated in this group about working outside of her scope of practice, but she really wasn't. She had the professional credentials to create a program like this. The people who were bullying her in this group didn't even acknowledge that she had these other professional credentials. This continued on for several days until this lady just deleted her post. And then the group continued to chastise her even after she did that. This is not okay. Things like this have caused major division in our industry. If state boards were more expansive and clear about this subject, it would really help a lot. Clarity is badly needed all over in our industry. Now let's talk about classification. Some massage therapists want to be classified as healthcare workers. I have investigated this a lot. And there are some pretty strong arguments that I can make against this, even though I feel like it has the potential to provide us more protection from sexual solicitation and more protections overall. The push to be classified as healthcare workers is kind of an old school one. The older generations in our field really went towards being medically based because I think that they thought that it would earn them more respect that way. That expanded our educational offerings into more clinical forms of massage therapy, and some of the most well-known teachers out there, they're not even massage therapists. They're physical therapists or they're osteopaths, and they're teaching their techniques to us. Here are some of the problems that I see with healthcare worker classification. The first one, vaccine requirements. Yeah, I'm going to hit a nerve right now. So this is a big one. We have a huge group of massage therapists nationwide who are refusing the COVID vaccine. Many of them are not sharing their vaccination with status of clients. I'm not here to judge. Totally fine with me. I only bring this up because healthcare workers all over the country are being required to get the COVID vaccine or risk losing their jobs. So there's some food for thought on being classified as a healthcare worker. Also, clinics and chiropractic offices. I see a lot of massage therapists believe that if they work alongside other manual therapists or doctors, that they're gonna be respected and they're gonna be paid more. But this is not the case. They may be paid a little bit more than they would in a franchise, but not all the time, and not much more, if at all. The one nice thing about these environments is that the work is usually Monday through Friday. And that is the only true benefit that I can find. Now as far as hospital work, massage therapists that work at hospitals are usually paid less than they would be in a spa environment. The VA program starts off around $15 per service. The Mayo Clinic pays about $16 to $17 per service. These programs seem great, but they don't really recognize our education, and they view us as the lowest on the totem pole of medical professions. And then there's the subject of insurance billing and reimbursement. Insurance reimbursements for massage therapists have been steadily decreasing year after year. Insurance billing requires waiting for reimbursements, paperwork, a learning curve, and time that a lot of therapists are not really willing to invest in, and those that have have invested in them, they're not really enjoying seeing their income reduced year after year after year. A lot of them are saying that it's not really worth the work required and they're getting out of insurance billing altogether. Now, I think that we can all agree that massage therapy has become a more integrated part of the public self-care routine and that it is more than just a luxury service. We have companies like Massage Envy to thank for that. As much as many of us hate them, it's not the doctors, it's not the nurses, it's not the physical therapists that we have to thank for that. It's Massage Envy, a day spa franchise. Plenty of massage therapists want to see a clear separation of practice in licensure and classification. They want to see dual licensing in evidence versus non-evidence based modalities. So to simplify this, I think that one license that covers modalities like medical, clinical, sports, and one license that encompasses spa modalities and energy and all of those metaphysical services like singing bowls and stuff like that, maybe that's the way to go. In addition, massage therapists don't want to hear the word massage parlor anymore. The term massage parlor needs to be eliminated from the client's language, the media's language, the law enforcement language, and the legislator's language. How about a change in the scope of practice language to exclude anything that ties us to the sex industry? Maybe our boards could work on that. I also have another novel idea. Public education is sorely lacking in massage therapy. I can turn on a show and see commercials about prescription drugs. I have learned more about Valtrex, Cymbalta, and PrEP than I ever wanted to or needed to know, including the negative side effects. How about an investment in commercials about massage therapy, speaking about the benefits and the negative myths that follow? A commercial script could go something like this. Living with chronic pain can be a hassle. Whenever I have a flare-up, it takes days out of my life. Sometimes I can't move at all. But then I discovered massage therapy. Just one session a week helped reduce my chronic pain. And now, I've been able to move freely for nearly a year. In one clinical study of people who worked with massage therapists, within six months, over half were pain-free. After one year, two-thirds were pain-free. Now my days are filled with excitement and joy. There is no cure for chronic pain. Even with treatment, chronic pain may include, may continue. Massage therapy may not prevent all reoccurrences. To avoid a potentially serious complication, tell your massage therapist if you have uncontrolled high blood pressure, blood clots, cancer, diabetes, or neuropathy. Common myths are that licensed massage therapists practice prostitution. All massage therapists are created equal. That massage therapists are all the same. That massage spreads cancer that massage is not indicated for the first trimester of pregnancy, that the effects are only temporary, that massage must hurt to create the the result that you're looking for, and that massage releases toxins in the body. Ask your local massage therapist if massage therapy is right for you. My days are now spent the way that I want to spend them. There is nothing better than that. Ask your massage therapist about massage therapy. Call the National Massage Therapy Information Line at 1-800-245-5777 or visit the massage therapy www.massagetherapy.org to learn more. That number in that website's not real, but perhaps it should be. A toll-free number of pe- that people could call to find out about massage therapy options would be a useful educational project along with a public-facing website that explains all of this to the public. I can't figure out why nobody's done this yet. Hello, AMTA, ABMP, FSMTB, are you out there? Are you listening? You may have read that in Massage Magazine that the FSMTB recently announced that the U.S. Department of Defense is giving the massage profession assistance from the Council of State Governments to develop an interstate compact For occupational license portability. When this compact is established, massage therapists will be able to practice nationwide with one state license. This is really an exciting development. The Department of Defense accepted our profession to do this work along with several others to assist military spouses who move frequently to continue their work without the undue burden of obtaining new licenses. But it's not just for military spouses. This will affect every licensed massage therapist in a positive way and deliver the portability that we've been looking for. So this is the first time the Department of Defense has provided this type of grant. The Department of Defense views this as a milestone in achieving the long-term goal of providing licensed portability for military spouses. They're working with the National Center for Interstate Compacts to make this happen. U.S. Bill 10-USC-1784 addresses the burden that's associated with relicensing by assisting professions interested in developing compacts, but lacking the resources necessary to engage in the process. Professions like medicine, nursing, physical therapy, psychology, occupational therapy, and a few more, all these professions have already developed interstate licensing compacts prior to the availability of this grant. Now, nothing in this bill gives military spouses hiring preference over non-military therapists. The bill looks to develop partnerships with companies in the private sector to enhance employment opportunities for spouses in the military and also to provide for improved job portability due to a change of duty station. The bill states that the, the Department of Defense is to work with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and other private sector entities to facilitate the formation of such partnerships. The Secretary of Defense should enter into a cooperative agreement with the Council of State Governments to assist with the funding of the development of interstate compacts on licensed occupations to alleviate the burden associated with relicensing in such an occupation by military spouses. The amount provided for the assistance for the development of compact is capped at $1 million. The total amount of assistance provided in any fiscal year is not to exceed $4 million. The Committees on Armed Services of the Senate and the House of Representatives are required to submit an annual report on any compacts developed the preceding year, including occupational licenses covered by such compacts and the states that agree to enter into such a compact. The authority to enter into a cooperative agreement um, expires on September 30th, 2024. So I expect these compacts to be coming up soon. The Department of Defense says that 14.5% of military spouses move across state lines compared to just 1.1% of civilian spouses. As much as 34% of military spouses in the labor force are required to be fully licensed. And these of these spouses, 19% of them experience challenges maintaining their license. I am happy to know this information because even though I'm not a military spouse, if I want to move and I want to work in another state, I would like to do that without having to go through a bunch of red tape and pay a bunch of more fees to make that happen. Now you can find more information on these compacts at the National Center for Interstate Compacts, the Council of State Governments. The website is www.csg.org. You can find the Massage Therapy Compact Kickoff video on YouTube titled Massage Therapy Interstate Compact Kickoff Meeting. It's about an hour long and it's well worth viewing. We would like to get a group together in early July to discuss ideas on licensing and classifications and to propose solutions to the issues that we see in front of us. We'll be following the Interstate Compact process closely and updating our members as we find out more. As a massage therapist, the best thing that you could do is to communicate with the Federation about your needs and desires regarding licensing and classification on a national level. You can email them at info at fsmtb.org. Take a few minutes and put your thoughts out there. Communicating with the associations that govern these separate areas of our profession is extremely important if you want to create change at those levels. Please visit us at www.usolmt.com. Founding memberships are still available for a limited time at $10 a month. As a member, you'll join in our mission to unify, advocate, educate, and engage the massage therapists of the future, and learn how to organize and act in our field to bring about positive change. Currently, we're looking for forward, out-of-the-box thinkers to take positions on the Founding Leadership Council. Job descriptions are available on our USOLMT Facebook page, and you may apply online. If you're unable to commit to a monthly membership, we would love it if you would donate to USO LMTs to support our work. You can donate through our Take Action page on our website. You'll also find our COVID-19 survey there and be able to give your workplace a checkup on our Unity page. Plus, sign our petition to support our movement, solidarity, and massage therapy. Also check out our events page where we publish upcoming events, calls to our massage community for participation, and links to our recorded past events. We encourage you to join our private national Facebook group, USOLMT, to find out more and join in the conversations we're having about changing our industry for the better. You can also email us at be usolmt.com for more information. We'd be happy to answer any questions that you may have. Stay tuned for our recorded group discussion on entry-level education on YouTube on June 11th, and I'll be back here on the podcast next time to talk about something a bit more local, workplace culture. I will talk to you again in two weeks. Be the change.